2: Welcome
0: to the stage, Ireland AM's and Mr. So Alan best. Hughes. Well, hello. Good evening, and you're very welcome. Are we all doing well? Ah, oh, come on, we can do a bit better than that. Oh, look, they've all drinks in their hands. Oh, it's a rowdy crowd, girls. Look at you. A few fellas in as well. Did you drag the fellas along? Yeah, you're coming whether you like it or not. Oh, listen, thanks so much for coming along tonight. I know it means an awful lot to Rebecca to sell out the Helix tonight. Give her a big round of applause. Yes. And all thanks to you. I think it can safely say that we're in for a bit of an emotional roller coaster tonight. Yeah. Oh, God, she's off. Look at her. Don't start crying yet, love. Have you got the hankies out? You've known. Give this woman some hankies. I think she's going in. She's crying already. Yeah, there's going to be some tears, there's going to be some laughter, and because it's Rebecca, we're going to end off with a bit of a boogie. So we all look for that. Oh, there's a rowdy crowd in the middle. Where are you from? Are you from (sighs) Moldview? And I suppose that's where it all started, back in September 2020, the 13th of September 2020 when Rebecca and her three pals decided to do a podcast about growing up and stories in Moatview. Now, anyone from around there here tonight? Yeah? I heard some of the stories, all right. Good God. That was some place, I'm telling you. But then, of course, the podcast moved along and moved into more serious topics and more like, as Rebecca became known for her podcast for opening people opening up to her and of course there was podcasts about human stories grief addiction cancer mothers fighting for the rights for their children mental health and suicide some really really touching podcasts over the last number of years four seasons 66 episodes and a live show Now she's only rattling backstage. (laughs) She's like this, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, where's the toilet? Where's the toilet? Here, where's Margaret, where's the mammy? Oh, there she is. How are you, Margaret? Are you all right, love? Are you very proud? Oh, there's the, oh look, they're all in. You got him out? Oh, Jesus, I tell you. You're not watching, there's something on, must must be nothing on the telly tonight to get him out. So, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest and warmest welcome for the founder and creator of Everywhere We Go podcast, the one and only Rebecca Kelly!
3: I'm at this filling tea on myself, I'm bashing it backstage, I swear to God, I'm at this filling tea. Um, and I've just probably forgetting every single word I was supposed to say. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you all so much for coming. Um, tonight, I couldn't have done it, I have a great team around me, and I know he's probably going to be like, you're supposed to do this at the end, but I just wanted to say to Rob Murphy, to my cousin Susanna and Kyra, and the team here, they've done really, really well, so thank you so much to everyone. Um, to say hello to my um, first, uh, first guest, Lisa Conway. Emma J, and Natalie Cooney. Girls, thank you so much because this is where we started. And he's like, I'm going to keep going, come on Rebecca. And he's like, no Rebecca, you can do what you want to do. So I was like, I'm going to just add a little bit. Um, but just to say, I have got a beautiful night planned. But do get your tissues ready because it is going to be an absolute emotional roller coaster of a night. Um, it is the first one and it is such a beautiful night planned and I hope you're going to enjoy it. Um, the kitchen table's here. And look at this. Me and him fought over this. He was like, when I say me and him, Rob Murphy and Darren behind here, Lads, Darren from the Roundabout, who used to do karaoke, him and Claudine. Any of you remember Darren? Yeah. He's back there now. Still as good looking as ever, Darren, I have to say. Uh, but we are fighting over this kitchen, but I just think it's brilliant. So I'm delighted with that. And then Paul Kelly trying to get this in um, to a van earlier on with the help of Rebecca Deegan. So if Rebecca's in the audience, thank you so much. Um, so... This first guest, actually, um, Neve Waters, who I think is in the audience, invited me to an event with uh, Jerry and Miriam Hussey. And I went on my own, and you know when you go to a big event like this, and I know some of you here are on your own, when I went to the event, I was like, I don't know anyone, I'm sitting here, and then they introduced this girl, and when they introduced her, they said she was going to sing, and when she sang, I sobbed my absolute heart out, and I couldn't believe it. And I was sitting in a uh, room around me, everyone was crying, but she's just so lovely. So I'd like to uh, welcome on stage, please, Eimear Fogarty. Thank Thanks for coming, Eimear. Thank you for having me, Rebecca, I your have kitchen a, table. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I usually have a cup of tea here. Um, I'm actually having a cup of tea backstage. I was like, I can have a glass of champagne? They were like, no, Rebecca, you can't. Not yet. <laughs> We'll stick with the water for now. So we'll take this. Look, um, I'm looking like this. <laughs> I know. But, um, so, Emer, you and I met at an event. And when, at the event you were talking, because you do yoga and you do lo- loads of co- coaching, accountability and all of that. But the reason I wanted you here was because you were actually the Kildare Rose And when you sang, you sang a song, and we won't say the name of the song just yet, but the song went viral. It did. It got a bit of traction all right. Yeah yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it was so yeah. beautiful and um, can you just tell me why you sing the song and maybe you can say the song if you want to say the song but why yeah, you sing
4: the song? It, it might slip out. Um, yeah so I suppose in the lead up to the Rosa Tralee I was preparing I suppose in general for it and one of the things that you do as part of the of Tralee is uh, you, you do a performance and I was thinking of different songs that I would sing and I was out running one day and I had a playlist going and the Parting Glass? Sorry, I'm actually giving it away now. But there goes. But the Parting Glass um, was a song that kept showing up and was kind of reoccurring and, and, and I suppose coming in my path. And so I kind of triggered, I was kind of thinking maybe that might be a nice one to do. And I suppose when you can connect it to a part of your life, there's a message, there's a story that tends to resonate. So I continued running and listening to the song and I, that's how I learned the lyrics. And And the more I sang it, the more I felt the kind of connection with it. And for me, it was almost like he was giving me the signal um, my dad was to to do it. So I decided to perform it, um, and I sang it at the Kildare, the first round before the main Rose of Tralee. And the song just seemed to resonate. And for me personally, it was, I know, the first time I went to sing it... um, I I was very, very emotional and then that kind of evoked the emotion from there and then when I sang it on the night, um, to to be honest, I just sang it from my heart Mm. and I think it just resonated with people and... I don't know whether it's a positive thing now. There's an association that I make everybody cry, so I don't know whether that's a necessarily a good thing. But I think it was a song that, like to me, is special. And I think when, you know, and we'll get into this more, I suppose, but when you experience loss or when you experience anything significant in life, if you've got music, I think it sometimes just allows for you to just get lost in that and just to feel whatever it is you want to feel. So,
3: How old were you when your dad passed?
4: So I was just 21 uh, when my dad passed, um, so it was a major shock um he was only 54 so he was he was young himself um and i suppose in in many ways in the lead up to like right before it happened there was no real sign he was young he was pretty fit and healthy um so it came as a massive shock, um, and my mum was obviously a young woman to, to lose her husband as well. Um, and so we were, yeah, I was struck with that at quite a young age. So it was, uh, I was only in college, um, and I was still, I suppose, very much in my early 20s starting to experience life. So it was very much, uh, you know, a, a significant life-changing point, really.
3: What happened to Amir?
4: So he... To be honest, he had an underlying heart condition that he wasn't really aware of, um, but a virus attacked his heart, and he just died instantly. Um, Which even now is like if you saw him, you think he's really fit and healthy. So it didn't really add up. But um, again, in 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 hindsight, obviously it would have probably been a while, you know, showing itself. um, But he just didn't tune into that, and unfortunately, when the virus attacked. Um, he was he was struck, and that was that was it. Yeah, it was instant. What kind of dad was he? What kind of dad was he? Um, I've never been asked that question. <laughs> um, he was, he. I think he always saw my spark. So he was very driven and kind of creative, and he had this ability to make something out of nothing. <laughs> almost. So he was he was very much a people person, and he was very artistic and creative. And I think to me then he was, I saw a lot of myself in him and he saw a lot of that in me. So um, when I I was singing from a very young age and I would sing kind of the national anthem at GA games or events, and he loved the kind of arty side and I played football as well. So he was always there and um, he would always be in the background, but like whenever I'd finish, he'd kind of give me just a thumb up. So I'd look to him to be like, you know, was it okay? And and he would just give me that reinforcement or if anything happened in life, I'd ring him to tell him straight away and he'd be proud as punch. So he was always very supportive and he was supportive like of my drive and creativity. And I mean, he wasn't always perfect or easy on me either. Like, like he was my football coach and... Uh, you know pl- plenty of times I could kick you know as many scores as I possibly could and he'd kind of go what about the one you missed so <laughs> so he loved to push me as well but that was that was the relationship.
3: And he was a community man wasn't he?
4: Yeah I mean very much so like our involvement with the GAA was obviously a big part of my life so my brothers played and and, and I played right through to, to senior at intercounty level and that connection was probably always there with my dad through that um, and Again, he was kind of always in the background doing things and he never stopped, like he was always on the go. But I think when, after Dad passed, I think that was the realisation of kind of, I suppose, how many people he had, you know, impacted. Um, And actually on on the day of his funeral, we had a really special moment where... Um, everybody in the church was invited to basically give him a round of applause for how he had impacted them, and he would have fixed cars. So he did a lot of little things for people in the background, and I always remember that was a really special moment because it was just a little moment of giving thanks.
3: What was the house like? You know, How was your mum after everything?
4: So being honest, the, the night after my dad died, I will never forget. It was, we arrived home... It was the night sorry of the night he died we, we landed back to the house and it was just like this stillness and this nothingness and the disbelief and I always remember me and my mum we lay on on my bed and she was like Jesus Emer like what are we going to do and you know, at the time, you're kind of, everyone has moments, you know, you try to be strong, and then you go down, and someone else is trying to, in that moment, who's like, you know, man, we'll, we'll get through it. And, you know, people row in, but it's such a blur. Like, you, ju- you just, you're in such shock that you just, it kind of bypasses, you can't process it. And, and especially when it's, you know, there's no easy way, but when it's so quick, you're you're just taken by the extent of the loss. and And, and so, honestly, there's just this emptiness there, um, and total shock and disbelief initially.
3: And how does your grief manifest? Like, how did it manifest down to how... Like, have you learned... I don't know if that's the right thing even to say, Like, but have you
4: learned to live with the grief and live with the loss of your dad? Totally. I mean, I think grief cracks you open. So, like, it drags you down to your depths. And, like, for anybody who experiences, I think, the loss... Like it's the moments that you're on your own where you're literally agonizing, and the pain is so big that you're kind of like, "Fuck, is this like, is this life? is this Is this real? Because you're just it's just so hard. And I think it was the first time I realized, not only realized at a relatively young age, but plenty of people have experienced it even younger, but you know, you realize that actually, when you're cracked open. It's like you you start to question bigger things, so it changes you, and then you've no choice but to go with that. And so, as I mentioned, I would have played Gaelic football at a you know at a fairly high standard for many years, and I remember after Daddy died, I went back onto the football pitch, and I would like stand in the middle of the pitch, and first of all, I was emotional wreck on playing anyway, mm. but when I was on the pitch, I was like, does this matter? Like so suddenly, the things that mattered before, I was like, why are we getting upset over whether the ball goes through the post? I mean there's bigger things to life. So so then I was met with that kind of crossroads of okay do I do I keep playing even though my heart's not in it or do I follow where life has taken me and that's really where I started yoga and meditation and I needed to introduce something much softer and and be more kinder to myself and I think part of that was recognizing that you know you can't carry on as normal because sometimes we think oh you know we're we're able I can handle this but that wasn't the case. So then I went on my journey of of yoga and meditation and a big part of my healing journey through grief was also art. So I hadn't done art and you know, I was I was really young when I used to do art and I started to kind of express through uh, painting and art because there was no words. So it, it that helped me a lot. So then when you obviously sang then,
3: and I know tonight you're gonna see, you're gonna see the emotion, like I'm not even joking with you. I did this um we put this video together and um Eimear kindly let me use our video and I had to watch it 20 times. Like Paul said to me, you need to watch that so you don't make a show of yourself on that stage. Because I'm telling you, you're going to ugly cry to this. And like, don't even let, like, it's, but it's like that release of, like, as I say it all the time, like, I, I, the, only, the only person we've been very lucky to lose, like, not lucky to lose, but we've only lost one person is... I know, I know, and look at this. But you, to get, to, you just know what I'm talking about. Like, is, that is it. It wasn't me ma, it wasn't me, me dad. Do you know what I mean? It like it was it was a friend. Like it was Ke- it was Kenneth. you know what I mean? And but like, so in that way, like I haven't experienced it. So when like I, I watched the video and I was literally such a state, I was in bits, and then I said to Emer, here, I've watched it, so I'm all right. Like I'm grand. And then we did a sound check earlier on. And I was like, oh, my God. And Mary Bourne was here, and Mary said to me, the audience are going to be in bits. How are we going to pull them back from this? And I was like, I know we would be grand. I was like, I hope we would be grand, we would be grand. <laughs> so when you sing that, they, like, as I said, like, I, I step aside some man, like this stranger, and he, he took me by the hand, and he was like, yeah, right. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. So, Lee Waters, thank you so much for introducing me to Ewa and it introduced me to that stage where I was just sobbing like a lunatic, and they were like, "What's wrong with this one?" But I think the whole room was, weren't they? And I think it's just one; it's an emotive song, but the how you sing it, and like, how have you perfected that? Is it just the emotion of your dad?
4: It's a song of feeling, yeah. Mm. Just being honest, and 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 it's never the same. So in any room, it always it always feels differently. So I don't, you know. Every time like i said in in the in the experience in, in with soul space, it was you know one kind of experience, and you know tonight is a different kind and, and I think there is an openness to you know whatever you know some people enjoy, some people don't some mm. people feel you know some people don't, and that's that's life you know so for me it's just um you know just singing it, it from the heart and uh yeah if it you know however it's meant to be received uh, it's received but it's 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 feeling and it's emotion and it's connection and and that's music.
3: Hmm. Will you sing for us now? I would love to. Okay. I'm just going to say, um, Eva, Fogarty. to you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not go, going to say it
5: spent it so.
3: that lovely oh and um just to say that we, you know there's two young boys in that video we have um Killian Burnett and uh, Josh Dunn and both boys are, you know were just let down by every the government and so on so just justice for those two boys and we hope that as the families are here tonight that you do get justice for your boys and <clears throat> um, and then this is like I'm trying to see how I do this and um, is the cabra girls in cabra girls Dear, dear. <laughs> Jamie, can I tell them the story of what happened? I said, I didn't them. Did you tell them? I didn't, I didn't kill them? Oh my God! Right, Gralia, are you okay? Grania, you're a little bit separated. That's okay. <laughs> so I was doing this video and I was asking everyone for, for photos. I didn't say why, right? So I sent uh, Jamie a message and I was like, "Will you get me a photo of the girls' nanny and your, the girls' ma, your nanny and your granda?" And she says to me. Yeah, i sent send you one to Grania and her ma as well, Grania's ma as well, right? And I'm looking through these photos and I'm going, Jesus, Grania's ma looks unbelievable. So I'm sitting here going, will I, will I, won't I? So I text her and I was like, Jamie, I was like, I didn't know Grania's ma's dead. And she goes, she's not. And I was like, imagine if I played that and Grania's ma's photo came up on that. I was like, I'd be battered. if you were going to get a box, but it was just... And, you know, I was in bed the next day laughing about it, and then she goes, I'm not going to tell them to after the show. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to say it tonight and say exactly what happened. But imagine that, your man not dead, and the photo of her coming up on that. That's something I do to my ma. Right. So I just want... I'm going to move on now to the next segment um, of this one. And this podcast, I think, for me, it, like i got so many messages from women of all ages and it resonated with so many people it was probably one of the hardest the most difficult podcasts that i've done um because i am a mother and that's why it was um can you play it here for me daz please
6: is it lonely yeah it is it's like a lonely journey like you know the way because nobody wants to talk about miscarriages like i don't know whether it's because people are ashamed or it's actually too painful but after it like and I had nobody that really understood what I felt like. Like, actually, you were only six weeks, or you were only eight weeks, and i sure it wasn't a real baby. Is that the worst? They are the most painfulest words anyone could ever say to someone that has had a miscarriage, whether it's a, Like, I've had two miscarriages, so I had that baby at six weeks, and then I lost my son, Jackson, in November of last year.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on stage Melissa Giron and her rainbow baby, Bennett. Is he asleep? Yeah, he's asleep, <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Melissa, thanks so much. Look, no, I'm problem. like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going oh, to carry this one on. He's gone. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel like I have to talk to And then Rob Murphy's given out to me, he's like, Talk to your audience. I was like, I'm talking to me guest. What do you want me to do? Um, so, Melissa, yeah, I have to say, huge shock yeah. on no. Instagram. When I'm watching your Instagram and any time with my guests, when they kind of go offline, I kind of get a little bit worried about them and I'm kind of like going, you know, are you all right. And I kind of check in. And then this bloody photo pops up <laughs> of you
6: having baby Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. really? Yeah. So we just decided, like me and my partner, Decky, like after what happened to Jackson, we found out we were pregnant um, on Bennett that we weren't going to tell anybody at all. Um, I hid it from my family until I was like 22 weeks. I walked into my cousin's confirmation party and they were like, what is that? And I'm like, mm. I was trying to hide it. Like, and then I didn't tell anybody until he was here and breathing. Why do you think that was? Um, I was scared that was gonna happen again because after Jackson, they told me to wait and I was like, I don't want to wait. Um, and I fell pregnant six months after Jackson passed away and it was just pure, like, worry, is it going to happen again? Like, what if something does go wrong? Because I put it up about Jackson that was pregnant and then four weeks later I had to put up that he died and I was just so embarrassed, like. So I was like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to keep it as, not as a secret, but we just wanted to keep it to ourselves in case it did happen. Like,
3: And we talked about it and you and I both had, have had conversations that we have had women in their 50s, women in their 20s, women yeah. in their 60s both reach out to both of us to say that they had um, a miscarriage and that Melissa's story kind of resonated with them. It's one in five isn't it? Yeah. Yeah like so like you look around the room one the in lot, five like, people have yeah. had miscarriage Yeah, and you said something dear that just struck with me that like you were embarrassed. Yeah. Why were you embarrassed?
6: I don't know like I think on social media like it's just, I don't know, I was, I was like, why did I put it up? And I was afraid that people would be like, get pregnant again, like, and because, like, this is me toward pregnancy, I was like, I just felt embarrassed, like, I was like, I'm not going to open myself up again just in case, like, that did happen, thank God it didn't. But I was just, I was terrified, like, my first scan was horrendous on Bennett. They t- Like, we went private because of how I was treated on Jackson. We decided to go private to get better care, which we did, thank God. And um, they were just... We went in for the. I went in for the eight week scan. Decky wasn't allowed in with me, and I was eight weeks. And they done the scan. He was like, "It's not what it's meant to look like at eight weeks. You're gonna have to wait for two, three weeks. Hope nothing happens, and we'll go from there." And every day I woke up, making sure that there was no pain, no blood, nothing. And for three weeks I prayed and cried and cried. And we went back in, the two of us together. And he put the thing on my stomach, and there there he was. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. Like. <laughs> know well, I'm not able, I'm like,
3: <laughs> yeah. And then, I, I, do you know what, Rob, I should have got tissues here, love, I, I think you have to say, stage manager, you know, you're, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Between you and Kyra, try, I'm like, someone trouble, but you probably hit the baby, so don't throw any take very much. Um, <laughs> but um, how, do, like, when you, like, obviously, you're, you're going to have apprehension all the way through. but when you actually have him, what is the emotion? And it is, I obviously... I in shock, like... Mm.
6: I'm st- like even like he done something last week and I was like <laughs> and like he was like why are you crying I was like I actually can't believe that I have him like mm. like it's it's not even funny like every day I'm like scrolling through his photos I have millions of photos of him like every time he does something he blinks I'm like trying to get a picture because like I never thought I'd have a living child like after what happened to Jackson like mm. and it's been a fear since I was like I've always remembered having a fear that I couldn't have kids like because you said that on the podcast, yeah. there was a fear with it. Yeah. Why was the fear there, again, if
3: just remind anyone who hasn't? I don't
6: know. Like, I remember My mum had a miscarriage when I was a kid, and I remember briefly a conversation, so I don't know if like my mummy losing a baby, like maybe that's what it was, or if I seen something on the telly or overheard something as a child. I don't know. I just thought, after my first son, right, maybe, OK, like, it's, Ill, it's common to have a miscarriage in the first 12 weeks. And then when I got pregnant on Jackson, I just knew from the get-go there was something wrong you said that. Yeah, I did. I said it from day one, and all my family thought it was nuts. Like, yeah, paranoid, you're mad. Nothing wrong with it. And I was like, I'm telling you, something's gonna happen, and it did. Like, and there we've been it. Yes, he's a little cutie. Yeah.
3: And how like you were saying that to me as well, that like everything you kind of do, you're letting him know about yeah. Jackson. And I know he's what seventeen weeks. Yeah, seventeen, 17 weeks,
6: yeah. But just growing up you're gonna know he's gonna know that. Yeah, like Jackson. Jackson's included in everything, like every like card I write, Jackson's on it, every personalised thing, Jackson's on it, like and he's always because I like even someone said to me earlier, like how many kids have you got? And I'm like, Two. But sometimes I find that very hard to say out loud, like, because they're like, oh, what age is your other little, like, child or whatever? And I'm like, "Uh, he's nearly two, but he's passed away. And they're like, Ugh, and they get all awkward. So sometimes I do struggle with that, like, but he is included in everything. And like Jackson, we got Jackson cremated and he's in our room and has a little shelf. So he'll always know that he has another brother, like, because he has an older brother, Alfie. But he, he'll know that he has a big brother, Jackson, like. What
3: was it like for the family, your ma? She must have been up the wall over you, was
6: she? Yeah, they were like, <laughs> oh, like, I hid it from my ma for, for eight weeks, and I went to Kildare Village with me auntie, that's year, And she's like, you're pregnant. I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, well, so I can see your stomach. And I was like, oh, I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And then I kept, like, eating me dinner, going upstairs, hiding in the room, and my ma rang me auntie and was like, I know she's pregnant, she's too afraid to tell me, because I didn't want anyone to stress because of what happened to Jackson. So they were all walking on eggshells with me. I got away with more to go. Did you? Yeah, literally got away with more. They like, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> because,
3: because you said that, out that out. as well. That who stuck Jackson it? That's me, Ma. Oh, your man, the yeah. audience. <laughs> I'd say so. I have to tell you, I'd be the exact same.
6: Yeah. Yeah, you would be, wouldn't you? You'd be the yeah. exact same. They were very good, though. Like even like after after Jackson, like. Deku was like, Oh, I don't know how she's gonna cope with this like and I always say to him, Am I all right? And he's like, You're worrying us how calm you are like mm. because I knew like kinda after that that reassurance scan, I think it was about twelve weeks, um, when I seen his heartbeat and he was moving a little bit, I was like, relax. So I was doing like my meditation, I was going to counselling and the rotunda the like the rotunda were brilliant. like really? this time around, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you said there
3: as well about them, like, so when you had him and you brought them home, yeah. what was that experience like for you? There was
6: like a big balloon arch outside the front door. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I was terrified. Like, that was the longest drive home in my life. This, yeah. Why were you we terrified? I just wanted to wrap him up in a cotton ball and let nobody touch him. Yeah. So I was afraid, like, obviously COVID and stuff, but I was just like... I just didn't want anyone to touch him. I didn't want anyone to n- to be near him because I was like, "Wait, waited so long for this. I like, just let me have him on my own." Like now, I'm like, "There," when he yeah, starts yeah. crying. Like, yeah. well, it was amazing. Like they all had like personalised things from and photos of me Decky and the baby just after I had him. And like I don't, they all must have ran to pavilions and everywhere to get a bit. Like it was, it was amazing. Like, and how's Decky? How are you, Decky? <laughs> he? he's, like, he's like, don't you mention me. He's a I
3: was actually going to have you on the stage. Where are you? I was going to have you on the stage. Where is he Where up was there? there? Yeah. I was actually going to have you on stage. And, I, and she was like, no. And then as well, Paul Kelly, he's that a turn up, right? And none of you know Paul. He's had to turn up. And he's a pair of runners and a pair of jeans and a t shirt on him. I was like, have you something to change into? And he was like, no. And I, and I said, did you do that on purpose? And he was like, yeah. I was like, because he knew I was going to ask him to come on the stage and just say hello to everyone, because it's not... Do you know what I mean? I know, but you want to see the state of him? (laughs) It's Ma's in the back there saying, my son. There she is. Look, she's saying, my son. Don't my son look gorgeous in the black bag? You're going to be the image of her.
6: You are going to be the image of Marion Kelly. I know. I swear to God. Even now, I'm like, my son. And I was like, I'll never be like one of them, Ma's. I'm like... Oh, uh, even yesterday he was cranky. I was like, man, leave him alone. He doesn't understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: uh,
6: and Deck. so I wanted to do ask that question. How yeah, is Decky? He's, he's great. He's so yeah. good. But I'm like, because like after Jackson, I think like it's a thing with men. Like they don't know how to express their mo- emotions where like I just cried nonstop. Like, and he struggled a little bit, but like during my pregnancy with him, like he was like the best boyfriend we could ever ask for, like. Now I'm getting upset, because I'm like, I know he's looking at me, <laughs> he was the best boyfriend ever, like, he was so good, like, every scan, he sat, sat outside, like, didn't go into, like, like, called, not called and sick to work, but, like, he was like, I was like, did I get him in trouble, um, <laughs> like, he was making sure, like, that he was at every scan, like, every time, like, I went, like, I was in the emergency room, like, every second week, like, with some, like, making sure, like, that I was alright, and just, it was just brilliant, like, Everything I could, could have imagined, like even like I hadn't ended up having an emergency section on him, like and he was like calm like, you know, that way, like he didn't like make it any more stressful than it was, like, but he was brilliant, like, and he's so good to him, and he's every bar of him, is he? <laughs> every bar of him, like. Can I ask you, in um, that's
3: my first, can I ask you guys, um, can I ask you um, about relationship wise with a miscarriage and the effects that that can have on a couple?
6: Uh, it's very, very, very hard, like, yeah, I'll I make it or break it, all my family had us written off, like, mm. and they'll say it, like, they'll be like, we'll give us two months, like, and I was even thinking to myself, like, oh, I don't think we're going to get through this, because, like, I was going to kill him, like, just because mm. I was so angry, like, do you know that way, uh, everybody, and I t- blamed everybody, like, and I just wanted to kill them, kill, kill me, maybe was my ma's fault, everything, and I just, we, we got through it, like. Did you blame yourself? Oh, yeah, I was like, I had something wrong, I didn't do enough of this and I just I I don't know yeah I blame myself completely sometimes I still do like sometimes I look at him and I'm like wonder what Jackson would have been like or would he have done this or that like it's it's hard like it's not hard like but I want him to be his own person I don't want him to be compared to Jackson but I'm always constantly wondering like would he have done this or the two of them together or like, would he have worn that outfit, or would someone have gotten this, or whatever? Like, it it is very hard. Like, even I found Father's Day so hard. Like, did you? like I got Decky a baby grown, I was like, Happy Father's Day, and in a star, it was like from Bennett and Jackson. Like, mm. and I was I just like, just writing his name on a card. Like, it's it's very hard. And some people are like, probably why is she writing his name? But at the end of the day, so still me son. Like, even though he's not here, like, you know that way. Mm so true. I don't blame yeah.
3: myself. And I've said that to loads to I know. I know. It's very hard. Well, as women, we do. Yeah. That's what we do. We blame, like, what if, why, why, why if I did that? I just, did I eat something wrong? Did I exercise too much? Did I yeah. do, not me exercise too much, but other people <laughs> exercise enough because, like, two stone in, like, the past six months. Like, I don't know
6: what I'm not doing to do with myself. <laughs> but, like, I get it completely because yeah. we just blame ourselves yeah. for everything. Yeah, like even with the counselling, like, they helped me a lot, especially on him. Like, the counselling wasn't for me being pregnant on him. It was to deal with the trauma of what happened to Jackson. Because I had to give birth to Jackson, like... And I was like, I don't want to give birth. I'm terrified. I'm not doing... They were like, well, you kind of have to, like, do you know that way? I was like... Then they said about being induced. I was induced on Jackson, and I had just just this whole picture in my head. And it actually, like, it wasn't like that at all. But if I hadn't done the counselling in the rotunda, like... I don't think I would have gotten through it, like... Is that free service? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they referred me straight away. Like when, when if, you were pregnant, they referred. Yeah, when I was pregnant, like you don't have to have had like miscarriages around anything. Just if you have general mental health problems, you can go to them. There's a bit of a waiting list, but it's well worth it. Like, how well is his well baby? Amazing. I, I know, that's, like, like, hello. A, I know yeah. that's biased, but yeah. he is. he's yeah. so good. Like, so I'm like, I can't believe you're asleep.
3: Because we had a plan that Kyra would come on and take him off for us if he started. If he, uh, he started, if that he started in the house
6: before, I came, before we came. I was like, please don't,
3: please don't. <laughs> but he's KO'd. Like. Melissa, can I ask you, what would you um, say to any woman? And you know, we've had you've had the messages. Yeah. What would you say to any woman that
6: has been in your situation? And oh, know this is hypocritical. Don't blame yourself and talk to someone like... I was very angry and didn't I talked to like random people because they didn't know me talk to someone that you love like even if it's not your partner or and go get like help like do you know that way there is like there's Felicon, there's a there's a little lifetime there's loads of charities that help like bereaved parents whether it was at six weeks or 36 weeks it doesn't matter like it's still a baby like and they're amazing like we'd be lost without them like.
3: I'm delighted I no. asked her to be here to you know no, that I'm no. delighted I asked her to be here. I'm not just
6: saying
3: <laughs> um I'm delighted you're here and I know like we were plotting and planning this and and no. I said to her I said to her, well, I said don't like she was like, I'll bring where I bring the bubble and I was like, Don't let anyone see it. <laughs> and she was like, Well, I do a Michael Jackson with the blanket over his head. <laughs> I was like, I'll well, do something because we don't want people to see it. I was like, You're the start of the show. Do you know what I realize I don't want you to see it? Um, so Melissa, thank you so much thank for coming on with him. Thank you. Melissa, gear on everyone. Stay where you are, Melissa, stay where you are. <laughs> what? So, um, all my friends know me, right? Who know me, and some of you know me that. Um, and all my friends, all my friends here. Um, I love this next woman, right? This woman surprised me. My good friend Alan and Carol got me um, this birthday present. And when I went into the hotel and I seen it, I was like... Mary Bourne, you know, she is the best from our X Factor days to where she is now. I absolutely love Mary. Um, So please welcome the superstar singer that is Mary Bourne.
1: This crap. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Jesus, I'm dizzy. <sighs> I talked to a lesbian. That was just a rumor I created many years ago. Although I don't mind being a lesbian. At least I can get one of them. I can get a man. You ready?
7: But it won't be
1: <laughs> I'm 62. I'm not dead. Without a woman or a girl. Hey. See you later,
0: ladies and gentlemen. Mary Byrne. Let's hear from Mary. Do you want more? Well, you're gonna have to wait.
7: Yes. Get off.
0: Get off. Oh, wasn't that a great first half? Well, you will hear more from Mary. She's going to be chatting to Rebecca. Oh, she's out to the bar already. See you there now. Are you off? All right. We're going to take a quick interval. The bar is open. You better get there before she gets out quick. Lots more to come in the second half. We'll see you in 15 minutes. Well, welcome back. Welcome back. Did you all manage to get a drink? That one, that was legging it out. How many did you get? How many? Oh, she's won there as well. About five of them, all right. Now, you're ready for some more great stories and some great music from Mary Byrne, yeah? Right, well, first of all, let's welcome back the star of our show, Rebecca Kelly.
3: These are all in for it. They're after to give me a glass of champagne. And it's gone straight to my head. Um I just I, I was supposed to come out, Mary, but just before that I just want to say that um, two dear friends of mine have travelled all the way from Australia. So Franco and Darren, where are you? So I could see you somewhere. There you are. Yay! All from Australia. Just for the show. Nothing else, just for the show. Um uh, just to say again, um, I wanted just to thank, because I didn't, Iris and from the team from Donald McAnally are here, so I wouldn't be able to do it without you guys, and Amy, Amy Warius from a Domestic Violence Ireland, is she here, is she here, she's probably having a drink knowing her, <laughs> um, to just say thank you to those guys as well. Um, we're going to have a quick conversation with Mary, I also noticed, and by the way, you didn't tell me, so I'll get you in a while, where's Carly Mahadi and Sean Phipps? <laughs> And I'm about to out you, sorry, I'm about to out you, people are going to be wanting to get photos, which is now all the time. So the, the guys launched our own podcast now as well, and absolutely hilarious. It's actually the Carly Show featuring Sean. Is not that's what it is, Carly? Yeah. No, that's what I've been told, love. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on the stage with me, Mary Bourne. Ooh. I did ask Rob, "Can me and Mary have a glass of wine here?" And he said no. <laughs> and he, he was like, "Don't keep calling me out. You're gonna think I'm a bitch." I was like, yeah, "You are a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting back there and I just, "Come Mary," and I was like, "Who's she? Oh, that's me."
1: <laughs> Mary, how are you, darling? How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm doing a lot better than I have been in the, the last while. But
3: so, Beautiful. doesn't she? <clears throat> yeah. Give me the fiber laser. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mary, you came on to air uh, like a household name from the X Factor. Yeah. Um, and I, we know, we kind of know that part of your journey. But what I know you, there's been with COVID and different things that have happened. So, could you want to just take me back to that and how you've been?
1: So, well, well everybody has suffered through the last two years in COVID. Yeah. I mean, we've all had our ups and downs and stuff. And the first year of COVID was fab for me. I lost stone and a half. <laughs> I put it back on the second. <laughs> but <laughs> what happened in the second half of COVID was um, my demons attacked me. And I allowed them get in too too far. Um, and I had two neighbours breakdowns. Um, oh, <sighs> But I did. I allowed them in. And um, I went through hell. Uh, I am not taken away from the people who lost loved ones or... Who couldn't get in to see their family members it was my hell it wasn't everybody's hell it was my
3: hell um, but to make a long story short no thank you we have 20 minutes okay. so <laughs> she's a great singer but hello come on let me, let me tell you no no let me tell you
1: a lot of it was to do with um being on your own and afraid that, that work wasn't going to come back yeah and there was a couple of times i, I felt like just walking down to Wherever there was a cool breeze or a river flowing, and not coming back. Really? And um, I found myself one day doing that. And I spoke to Alan Hughes about this. And oh, Mary. <laughs> I do. I I don't even remember walking down to the to the, the place where it was. I just remember standing at the at the corner of the top of my road and I was I knew where I was heading but I didn't know why I was heading there and for some strange reason I copped the chemist across from me my local chemist who I'm very good friends with and headed in that direction and the girl Ramona inside took me in to the back room hugged me kissed me gave me water gave me tea brought me into me doctor
2: And it
1: ended up, I, I, my doctor drove me home. That was one. The second one was Jordan Cove, I wasn't supposed to be out of the country, but I was.
3: So I half the room, obviously. I, I, no, to
1: be honest with you, I, <laughs> I had got a gig. It was, I got a gig to go to uh, Tenerife and I went over to do the singing and I ended up staying for six months mm-hmm. and drank the yeah. place dry. But I took a bit of a turn there right. as well and I caused chaos. Did you? In what Absolute way? Chaos. Just mentally. I, I, I caused chaos in my life and in other people's lives. Hang on guys, hang on. And it was, it was, it was a horrible, horrible feeling. That, I mean, the bit about walking to the canal was something I'd done a long time ago before. Mm. So that wasn't my first time to do it. This mm-hmm. was my second time to do it. Um, this time, it was a totally different breakdown. It was, um, it was more mental. It was more distressing. It was more frightening than... I mean, if I'd have fell into the canal and swam and died, I, I'd have been gone. But that didn't even enter my head. Killing myself didn't enter my head. I just wanted to hurt everything around me because I was hurting. Now, there was, a, there was an undercurrent in that there was something else happening, and I won't go into that. That's okay. But there was something else happening at that time that brought me to where I was, and it was the most scariest. I, I can put up walk, and God forgive me for saying, I can put, put walk into a canal, but I would never put up with this again. And then March gone, I had a little one again, but only because I was in the same bloody situation, put myself into the same bloody drink. situation. Oh, was it? Drinking? Drink had a huge part in it. Now listen, I'm at to having a few glasses of wine back there. You won't stop me from drinking. <laughs> And it's not its not the drink. I thought it was. I thought I was an alcoholic. I mean, I, I came from an alcoholic home. And my mother was the best thing in the world. But she had emotional problems. And she drank every day. She didn't get pissed. She used to just have her little sips. My brother was a chronic alcoholic. He was now a counsellor. Um, so alcohol has been in my life a long time. And I've always watched my step with it. And I've always kept myself above that lion. I would not cross that line. This was different. Because it was... A time when we were all closed down and we didn't know what the hell was happening. I would no work. The pup was great. I mean, the, the government helped us out with our few bob. But I knew that was going to end. What was going to happen to me? Mm-hmm. Where was I going to go? Mm-hmm. Who would I go? Now, that sounds real, ah, the poor... Oh, fuck. No, but like... But let me tell you, I had so many good people in my life that I forgot about. Yeah. So March finished. Mary decided to go and see a counsellor. And I wish I could say her name because she is an angel above angels. She has taught me that I am a good person, that I deserve everything I am doing in my life, that I'm a good singer, not a bad singer. (laughs) What do you think of her? (laughs) (laughs) But, But also, also what she has taught me is that, you know, I'm the one who puts myself down. Yeah. You know, there are other people who will put you down. They always, there's millions of them in the world. Millions of them. Yeah. And I say, excuse me, in the middle of this live show, fuck them. Yeah. Right? There's a song that I sang once. I'm not going to sing it now, but I sang it at a... I, no, 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 no. I am what I am. I am my own special creation. I am what I am. I am my own special creation So come take a look Give me the hook on your ovation It's my life that I want to have a little pride in My life I'm not afraid and I'm not gonna hide it Remember this, life's not worth a damn till you can say, hey, what I am, what I
3: I terrorise you for that song. <laughs> every time I say, me and Julie, Hannah, maybe will you sing that song for us, please? We absolutely terrorise her. And she says, Rebecca, it's not, I don't sing it all the time. I'm like, please sing it because yeah. it's such a powerhouse. It is a powerful song and it is exactly what my counsel has
1: taught me to believe in me. Mm. I am what I am. I am no perfect person. I have my faults, but I have my hugely good bits. Like every single human being out there tonight, we have our faults. But we're not bad. And we don't deserve demons inside us. Fuck them all.
3: That's what I say. That's the wine talking. It's not the wine. She actually hasn't <laughs> had any wine. We're lying. <laughs> I wish I had wine. No, he won't. Like, Rob, no. No, no. He's Rob behind
1: you. Rob, Rob you won't give me a, a, a glass of wine.
3: <laughs> he said after the show. After the said, show, I'll have, have a three bottles. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Mary tell me if I can ask you about love about finding love
1: okay well for years I have said I mean I've found the first love of my life which is my daughter's father um I fell madly in love with him I walked into the lawns bar and I seen him now I have to say this ladies and gentlemen because it was the first thing I seen of him was his bum
3: okay I thought she was gonna say something else and my dad's in the audience I seen that that, yeah I can't have that (laughs)
1: But he he had the finest bum I'd ever seen in my life. (laughs) And he had long hair. And I was never into long-haired men. We got talking, I fell madly in love with him. And I hoped that he would fall madly in love with me. He didn't. We were two years together and I didn't know he was seeing uh, another woman. And she was married and she had a kid. But I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So then I had a kid. Mm. And so he fecked off. (laughs) So anyway, I gave up on love. I said, love is not for me. I am a free spirit. I want to do this, I want to do that. And that's gone on for many moons, many moons. And only last year during lockdown, after the bricky, bricky breakdowns, I met a lovely man in, um, in <laughs> <laughs> Looks a little bit like Kenny Rogers when he hadn't got the face slipped, you know. <laughs> Garvin is his name, and, uh, he's a sex bottle. And, and look, do you know... <laughs> Let's put it this way, the cobwebs are gone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and he's here tonight. Welcome, oh. <laughs> Garvin. I'm joking. I'm joking.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I met Garvin. Now, Garvin, the relationship we have is he, he lives down there. I live up here. We meet in the middle and we have fun. <laughs> um, do I love him? No. No. Do I care about him? Kind of.
3: Do I find him sexy? Yes <laughs> Mary. And you know, I, I made I, I made a little promise to you a long time ago that um, when the cruise ships, because if, if you know that I work for, for in a cruise company, I don't know what it is, did know, that. Listen to know this. that I work for a cruise company. I need witnesses. So she wants witnesses. So as soon as, soon as the ship comes into Dublin, well, you actually were on with me. One, I was. One of them.
1: I, that was a night I got very drunk now. And I was oh, singing
3: you. with the piano <laughs> and I hadn't got a clue what I was singing. We all got very drunk that We did. That it that was night. a great time. Julie, Hannah, where were you?
1: Yeah, where's Julie Hannah?
3: <laughs> she got drunk that night. Look where she's <laughs> that night. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Hughes was drunk that night. I think even Cathy was drunk that Cathy night. Cathy we that night. We were all that drunk. Night. But I promised you that the next time we get a ship into Dublin, that I'm going to have your aunts to sing for us. Definitely. And you'd better all be there or I'll find us. <laughs> Mary, can You're I... You're not allowed? No, they're not allowed. Oh, they're not allowed. Oh, Sorry, oh, you won't be only there. Only if you, you can stand them. outside. <laughs> I'll wave at you. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, sing, she'll do a Celine Dion from this yeah. ship. <laughs> Actually, you know you're not allowed to sing that song on the cruise ships. My heart will go on. I know. No, no. Someone tried to sing it last week. I was like, it's something, haven't you? Karaoke. <laughs> I was like, get that. Yeah, I was like, get that out of the book. Who put that in the book? Yeah. Well, we, we did a cruise
1: ship, and, and uh, uh, Kathy's daughter, a beautiful singer, I, I won't keep you too long, Ooh. but she sang it on uh, the Gertrude Byrne cruise ship. And the laugh we had backstage, well, she went down on the stage, and everybody was kind of looking at her going, but then her voice. And so they didn't care about the ship sinking, they just wanted to hear her. <laughs>
3: Imagine. Can I ask you about um, your relationship with your daughter? How is she? Is she good? She's great. She's 34 now. Wow. Um,
1: she still hasn't left me. I
3: know. And her
1: attitude is... Her attitude
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Her attitude is... Um, I, don't, <laughs> <laughs> I asked her was she ever going to have grandkids and, and she came home with a four, uh, f- a four? She came home with a cat. And she told me this was my grandson and it's the only one I was going to have. But she's happy in her life. And and Mm. she's she's very, very protective of me. And if I'm hurt by anybody, she carries that too. And I don't want her like that. Mm. I want her out there and, and, you know, having fun and meeting gorgeous men and bringing them home to me.
3: (laughs) We've heard about women like you, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Mother daughters, haven't we?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, I mean, I I want her to have her life. But she, me and her look, we fight like cat and dogs, but she is my best friend and she has my back all the time. The only one on this earth that has my back all the time is my baby and I love her to pieces, you know.
3: She's not here, unfortunately, but, yeah. She's at home looking after me son, my grandson. (laughs) Mary, what does the future hold for you, like, in the sense of, what do you hope the future holds for you? Well, first of all, I really really want to... uh,
1: that's true as well. <laughs> I want to get better, more better than I am uh, in in here, and I want to. I want. I want to talk about the stuff that matters to other people, and that's why when I mean, I was on Claire Bourne show on Monday and I spoke about the, I didn't she spoke about the depression, so I brought her up so I, yeah I'd like to do something along that line I'd like to, to write a little. Short book, just to say to people, this is what you can do. You don't need to be on your own all the time. And you're never on your own all the time. There's always somebody out there who will help you. You know, and that's what I want people to realise. Yeah. The other thing is, my dream is to be on the big stage again with the frocks, all glittery, doing a whole load of Shirley Bassey and Dusty Springfield. That's it. And then I'm also in the middle of trying to write a novel so and it's a it's a chick flick now but there's a bit of murder in it as well so hopefully that will come out but the (laughs) the the future for me is to find peace Mm. in my in my mind Mm. to find well I found me fella so that's all right Mm. um just to be happy and, and and to work To work, to get out there and do what I'm good at and to love every minute of it. Because the day I stood back on the stage after two and a half years of lockdown was the most fantastic feeling I've ever had. Take sex out of the the, the thing. It was was orgasm up there. (laughs) I'm being honest. It just felt like I'm home where I belong. And the people that supported me all the way through... You know, from 12 years, it's 12 years since I was on the X Factor. I still have that support from the everyday people who, no matter where I am, will come and hug me, will come and say I'm an inspiration. Why, I don't know, but I'm very grateful they do. It is an inspiration. And and I just, I just, I I can't get to everybody to say thank you. So every time I'm in an audience, I thank, some of them probably don't even know who I am. (laughs) No, but you know what I mean. But I just want to say thank you all for your support,
3: your love. It, It means a lot. Thank you, Mary. So, Mary, you are going to sing a few songs for us. In, in, gonna, we're going to have one more guest on, and, we're just, and then Mary's going to go off, yep. ready herself, maybe have a sneaky glass of wine, and come back and sing a few songs. And she's going to have this place on wheels. I don't know. And you all have to be up dancing. I'll be watching yous all, and I'll call you out on social media if you don't dance next <laughs> but in, I'll probably be on wheels myself by the end of the night, but that's sense. But <laughs> well, in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen... Mary Bourne. Thank you very much. Now, we only have a couple of more minutes. We're going to have a quick chat with the last guest. Um, This girl is quite nervous. So I'd ask you all just to, because it's a little set, a different conversation. Um, I put her on the spot about two when I started planning this, just because I've watched her on social media and I really like the way she talks. She's a dub. She's from the inner city. And do you know what? She just like she just got an old soul, heart to gold. So please welcome Yasmin Welch. Now I know you've lover. <laughs> but I want everyone else to love her so I want everyone else to know so Yasmin you are and I said this before I was like she's a physiotherapist she's not you're a psychotherapist I am a psychotherapist <laughs> a psychotherapist. I think so yeah you think. <laughs> and um I'm going to ask you just the conversation that we had tonight so the conversations we've had tonight we've had grief mm. we've had miscarriage and that's grief but also as um God, I'm like Melissa said, like, there was anger, there was horror, mm-hmm. there. And then we've had Mary where our battles of depression and suicidal thoughts. Um, so is that right now in your, where you sit, are you seeing those trends? Is that what you're seeing in your area?
8: Firstly, can I just say the bravery of everyone tonight telling the story was just phenomenal. <clears throat> Honestly, you know, it takes a lot of courage to come up and tell your story, you know, especially to an audience. So well done to all the guests. Um, yeah. The the trends are would be anxiety, childhood trauma, um, you know, suicide ideation, there's a lot of that, you know, that you see and I think, you know, most people just want their stories to be heard and when we've been conditioned to suppress our emotions and told, you know, keep the secrets, don't say this, don't say that, you know, eventually that's what happens, there'll be a breakdown and what's needed is a breakthrough. Yeah. So sometimes we need to break down to break through. And how do you break them down? Like, how do you break it down? You know, it's just to, I think if you have that space, that somebody and, you know, the relationship that, you know, people just want to be heard. So to have, you know, a connection, I find, is paramount in um, my work. You know, I can have all the theory sitting there, but, you know, if you don't have a relationship, people aren't going to open up. They're not going to speak. So they'll hold back. Because for years they probably haven't felt safe, and coming to a therapist, they need to feel safe before they can open up and speak about, you know, their traumas and their pain. You
3: know, people are in a lot of pain. And is it now? Because years ago, you said people didn't speak about it, and we weren't allowed to speak about it. And if you spoke about it. You felt like you were going to be talked about, or your ma and dad, or even your man dad needed counselling. But they—it was even worse for them to come out, because like yeah. I talked about, like miscarriage and stuff like that. And I'd be more—I actually be, will be probably murdered now. But like I talked about with, with me ma, and my ma has—and I think only recently we've been talking about miscarriage and so on. And I'm going to get upset thinking about her, but um, that my ma had a lot of miscarriages. Mm. But she was like, "Oh, you just did it, and you, it, you moved on." yeah well, that's
8: it what Melissa was saying. you know, or oh, was that a baby or whatever you know it's just suppressing your feelings, pushing them aside because of what you've been told or what you've been told to believe when you were grown up, so there's a lot of that that goes on, and then people you know just end up manifest um you know manifesting different um you know like diseases in their bodies or they become angry or you know develop a lot of you know issues and they don't know where it's from you know and it's just all suppressed emotions that are held in the body and there comes a time where your body can contain that level of pain so that's where
3: you know it comes out in other ways and then there's a breakdown and then I was talking on Conor Ryan's podcast and also I was talking to someone else today Um the world is just mad how you meet people and the person in the room will know um who I'm talking about but um that they went to a therapist and it just didn't work, didn't like it, felt a little bit like, so you're like, oh, I don't think I'll go back there. And is that, is that a problem where yeah, people- Yeah, just- well,
8: I know what even when I started, like I would have probably had two therapists that I didn't connect with. And I was like, I'm not going back there. Um. this like, I don't, she's not even listening to me, or she just sits there nodding, or wherever it is. You know, it's about finding the right fit. So, I'd say I wouldn't give up, you know, if it doesn't work out the first time because it is, it's like anything in life, it's trial and error and it's coming back to it. If you know, if it's something that you need help with and you need support with, is to, you know, I wouldn't give up just because that therapist wasn't a fit for you because I was there before and it is kind of, you know, terrifying to walk in and tell a stranger your problems it's it feels alien you know mm. and especially when you've been told not to tell your problems for years mm. and suppress them and just get on with life and sure what have you got to be worried about why well, there's worse out there you know that's a typical Irish thing isn't it it's worse out there there's yeah. worse get up and get on with it and no like everyone you know it's the human condition all of our pain is different and everyone you know will go through different stages in their life where they need support and it's about just you know being safe and understanding that you know we're all the same i suppose why did you get into this why did i get into this i don't know i don't know for asking that question (laughs) i'm talking crap my whole life (laughs) literally i talk I talked the legs off a donkey and I just said, maybe, you know, someone will listen to me. But then when I went and started training, it was like, no, you don't talk. Oh, I don't talk. Oh, all right. Um, but yeah, I just always. Who's <laughs> <used> that? <laughs> I just always had, like, a passion for understanding the human condition and the mind. And I love, like, I hate talking about the weather. I think it's wasted. I love knowing, like, what makes people tick. And that's been always a big thing of mine. So getting into, yeah, therapy and helping people understand themselves and knowing that we're all the same. Like, every one of us have issues. Um, and just having a space for someone to know that, you know, they feel safe when I... Uh, probably their whole life they've not felt, you know, safe um, to offer that space to them has been, yeah, the biggest thing for me. And I think the first time I sat down in the counselling
3: chair, I felt, yeah, I'm home. Did you? And all the our jobs i done. Can I ask you then, um, I think it was Mary, she said that she was hurt. And then, so therefore then she just wanted to hurt everyone and everything around yeah. her. Is that typical? Yeah, well, hurt people hurt people, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, you're hurt. You want to
8: tell the world what it feels like, and that's what we do, you know. We don't know how to express our emotions. We, I think society has put this thing on us. We all have to be happy, 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 and that's not it. Like, we have a range of emotions going on every minute of every second of us, and it's about, you know, using all those emotions, but we've Shh. been, you know, told we must always be happy and that's the main, that's not the way it is, so yeah, I think when we're angry, we take it out on people that we love, and we take it out on the world, and that is a big thing, you know, when you are haunting, so yeah,
3: it is quite normal. Can I ask you then, just like, from my point of view, maybe some of the mammies in the room, um, and daddies, uh, perhaps, um, how, like, I, I, I struggle with my daughter's and dealing with their emotions and now obviously I have a preteen like are you finding that you're having younger people come to you um with issues or like how do we deal with hormones as well too I don't know I
8: have two of them I'm trying to still figure it out yeah (laughs) so yeah no it's tough like you know and I think it's about sometimes I say something like oh there's me ma you know when I'm giving out to them or whatever it is and it's just like you know I think as you grow as a person, you understand and to have patience and, you know, they're trying to express themselves as well and it's about just kind of giving them, like, my daughter's probably going, yeah, right. (laughs) She'll snap in a minute, so I don't know about that. But, yeah, like, I think it's just about having that space for them to express themselves and, you know, allowing them so much and then obviously pulling back at certain times also, you know, to, you know, because they need guidance as well.
3: Yeah, and that's, that's what I think is probably one of the hardest, that I try to be, and these ones here will probably laugh at me now, that I, tr- I think they discipline me kids more than I discipline me kids. Um, but I try to be, like, and, I, you know, when I did Top Notch's um, podcast with, with, with Arazo, um, she said that she just wanted to be our daughter's best friend, and I said to her, that's probably one of the biggest mistakes yes. you can ever make, yes. is being your daughter's best friend, because you're a parent first and you have to be a parent. For. Yeah, and I think for me, with
8: my kids, I always had this idea that I needed to be, like, you know, real stern, real different, to like, you know, have this, you know, robotic kind of style when they were younger and um, to be the best. And I thought I could never cry in front of them because that showed weakness. And it was only true, like, you know, my own counselling and then, you know, practising and, and me training would have been, you know, when a child is, sees you sad, you know, when you say, no, I'm not crying, then it it shows like that, you know, it's not, it's not okay. And it's about, you know, it is okay, you know, and I'm going to be all right, but it is okay to express your emotions. Mm. Or I would have been, you know, when they were younger, no, I'm not crying at thought It was a weakness to cry. Um, but no, you know, it, it, it shows strength and vulnerability is probably one of the most powerful things we can have. Um, as humans is to show our vulnerability but you know once again we've been conditioned to believe that maybe that's wrong
3: Mm. and then the word trauma like because I said this on um, Ali Ryan's podcast because Ali went through um, a lot of addiction but also an awful lot of trauma in our life Mm. and I said again that I was kind of lucky enough that I didn't have trauma in my life and she pulled me on it and I was really happy she pulled she's like no you have because every single person has trauma yeah but we just don't well, talk it about it. Or we've it's just like it. as if oh mine
8: is worse, so then I shouldn't be feeling bad about me. So we suppress our own emotions because oh this this person, because what you've been told, that is worse off. So then you just suppress your emotion. You think oh I, I I'm not validated enough or wherever it is.
3: And I think yeah. And um, the other thing, like I just want to say, is that, and I'd probably just give some of the people in the room a little update that. Um, and again, it's how the family processes. So my brother, my dad's My brother, Jerry um, is coming home tomorrow. Tomorrow he's coming home. He's got to do 12 weeks in rehab um, for his alcoholism. Brilliant. And yeah, and do you know what? Like, he's the salt of the earth and he loves my kids and my kids love him. Um, and he just, COVID got him. COVID just caused the problem and it mm-hmm. got him. And we're all so proud of him. We are so, so proud of him. But how then, like as a family, like, when when you have someone in the family that is in addiction, yeah. like, what do you recommend for the people around them?
8: I think it's, like, support. You know, the family really needs support because it's like a domino effect with addiction. You know, it's not just the person in addiction. The whole family, it's like it just spirals out. And it's about, you know... Staying together, supporting each other, and having those real tough conversations because you kill each other. I have brother in addiction, and it is everybody has that whooping's wot in, and everybody wants to say what they think is right and what is needed. But you know, it's about everybody's haunting in this. You know, it's affecting everyone, and I think there's a lot of shame that seems to attach itself that people just feel like you know they just want rid of it and don't want to deal with it. And, I think it's so important that, you know, if as a family that you do kind of stick together and support each other through whatever it is that you're going through with, with the, you know, the person in addiction. Because, you know, unfortunately addicts do, they kind of, they lie constantly and they'll say this and they'll put one person off the other. And, you know, it's just about having the support of each other. And, you know, I think those family groups and getting your own therapy or whatever it may be to get you through it, because it is, and it's not just a little boat. it kind of comes in and out, you know, until mm-hmm. the person, you know, finally deals with it in its whole of what's going on for them, what drove them to the addiction.
3: Yeah, and they have to process themselves. And they have to process that mm-hmm. themselves, absolutely. Is there a point that, like, even in relationships and, like, close family relationships, that you can say, I have to walk away from this?
8: Yeah, I think what's the, what I was about to say there is boundaries are huge. You know, you need boundaries when you're dealing with that. You have to know, this is my limit. I can't do this anymore. You know, throwing yourself, you know, detriment to yourself, your mental health, leaving situations completely drained emotionally, physically. And it's just about knowing I can't do this anymore. And stepping away from it and saying, it's okay to do that. You know, I'm not hurting anyone. You know, it's just attaching yourself with love and saying, I love you, but this is my limit. I'll be there, but I can't, this is as far as I could go here. And then I'm haunting me. Yeah. And that's, you know, you This
3: one was so nervous that she wasn't going to be able to answer me questions tonight. Um, and as I said, I put her on the spot. And um, the last question I want to ask you is that if we have people in the room that, or just even, you know, true, I just said you have social media platform that are so lonely. Yeah. What do you say to them people? reach
8: out you know look for support there is support out there and i know it's the biggest step and it takes a lot of bravery but you know there is a lot of support out there if you reach out to somebody you know if it's a friend if it's you know a therapist whatever it is you know i think we're, we're, we're all like going through shit in their lives at different stages so you know to think that i'm the only one going through that you know you're not and it may feel like your world is falling down around you mm-hmm. but if you can just you know, pick up a phone or whatever it may be to reach out to someone. You know, it will, it, it's paramount, I think, you know, mm. to help somebody when they're struggling
3: in life. Because Mary, what Mary said kind of really struck a chord with me, and I've said this to, fr- to friends is that Mary forgot she had people that who I did mm. for her. And yeah. we do that, we forget that we have people who are actually there for, and like, I've had conversations before, and I've said, just, and I've said, why didn't you ring me? And she's like, I didn't want to bother you. And I was like, oh, but I didn't want to bother you because yeah. this happened to me. And yeah. she was like, well, why didn't you tell me? And it's just that you don't want to
8: bother people. That's it, you think you're a burden when you're going through that because you just always have to be happy. Yeah. You know, and it's not like it's, we're all, we all, as I said, go through stuff in life and it's about being there for each other and knowing that. There is people, you know, and I think the room tonight, you know, fair play, Rebecca, bringing everyone together to kind of, you know, sing that through that we are all, we are all the same, and we all have stuff going on in our life. And I think with all the stories, everyone can resonate with somebody here tonight that, or even themselves, that they've been through stuff.
3: And on that note, we leave it there. Thank you, Yasmin well Yasmin, stay for a second. Stay for yeah. a second. Gotta get her Stay for a second. Now, I think, I'm nearly there now. I think that we're going to get Mary to come back on. Yeah, Rob's giving me some, some Mary's going to come back on and we're going to have a boogie. I'm going to get, a, uh, Paul Kelly, do you have a glass of champagne there for me? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to get Mary back on. So thank you all, guys, and thank you, Yasmin. Thank you. Stay there for a second.
1: I who have nothing, I, I who have no one, adore you and want you so. But I'm just a no one with nothing to give you but. Sparkling diamond But believe me Dear when I say That she can give you the world Now listen, I tell you, I just have to, I just have to throw this in, I'm going to drop a name here. While I was on the X Factor in 2010, you know I was on the X Factor in 2010. I had the, the privilege of meeting Mr. Michael Buble. And I remember walking up to him, Louis said, Mary, this is Michael. And I went, ah. his face was like porcelain and his body was gorgeous. But anyway, that's, that's the other side of the story. I won't tell you what happened after that. But we went into his uh, room, Louis was there as well, and we were talking about music and he said, you know, when you do the album for The X Factor, why don't you do your own album and do the musicals that you like? And I said, I'm not going to go out there and do the likes of Cats and all that type of stuff. I said, it's been done. It's been done to bits. He said, no, do the music you like. Now I'm 62 and I like all the old black and white movies. And I love Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Gene Kelly, all of that. Frank Sinatra. So I came home. No, I'm telling you a lie. I have to tell you what he told me first. We were together. No, we weren't. We were sitting there on the chair. (laughs) And he said, um, he said, Murray, why don't you uh, do those musicals? And he said, I'll give you one word of advice. And I said, what's that? And he said, "Um, boobalay them. So I thought it was something else. It wasn't, unfortunately. He meant to boobelay the songs, to make them swing. So here's one of the songs off the album that I put my own blood, sweat and tears and money into. It never did big, but I am damn proud of it. Take it away, boys. There may be trouble ahead but while there's moonlight and music love and romance let's face the music and dance before the fiddler has played before they ask us to pay the bill and while we still have a chance let's face the music Maybe teardrops to shed But while there's moonlight and music Love and romance Let's face the music and take tear- face the music and dance Let's face the music
7: and
1: dance The song I'm going to sing now was the second week of The X Factor Me and Louie had to fight to get this song We got it because Simon thought it would get the best votes it did We did it This is it. When I said, I need.
0: Wasn't that just brilliant? Woo! Well done, Mary. Well done, Mary. And let's invite Rebecca back onto the stage. Let's hear if you stand, stay standing. Rebecca Kelly. Champagne. Take, Champagne for the Queen. There you go. <laughs> in a wine glass, I know. You do know who I am. Um,
3: Will you all do me a little favor? Will you all sit down for one second? And I'm like... And then, Darren, can I have a little bit of light, And uh, please? And can I have everyone stand up who is on the podcast? If you're on the podcast, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. Julie had a stand-up, Mark. Stand up. So a big round of applause for everybody. Big, huge round of applause. for I'm Honestly guys, thank all the NRC running club taking over Dublin, look at them. Chantelle, Jordan, thanks a mill guys, thank you. I didn't see, uh, where's Natalie and Emma Jane and all I oh, do you yous are, jeez, I wouldn't recognise you, Natalie Cooney, look at you looking massive. Um, so I just want to say again, just a huge thanks to each and every one of you who are here. Ah oh, Chantelle, thanks so much. I'm like, can I have a drink now? Um, But yeah, I just want to say an absolutely huge thanks. And am I doing this, am I saying thanks now and doing all that now, and what am I doing? Okay, yeah, so let's see, I don't know. Um, So can the guests come on, girls, can you just come on for me? I have to put this down. Ah, look, look at this baby. Paul's like, I think I want another one. I said, you can find someone else. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, Melissa, Emer, Yasmin, and Mary. And then, anyone who's been on the podcast know my girls. So here they are, Aria and Amelia. Amelia's mortified. Mm-hmm. 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 No. I go back, go back, go back. And for the other two girls, thank you. <laughs> There's
0: <not any> <laughs> Margaret no. wants one. Margaret, you'll get one at home later. Sit down.
3: Uh, I'll hold them for you, Melissa. There for Melissa, there. And you give them over to Mary. Over to Mary. So, when I started the podcast, as I said, I started it because of me pals.
0: And Rebecca, I think there's one for you as well.
3: Oh, yes. I'm don't, i afraid to split my trousers. I did that, did so I can't? Ah, oh, thank you. Woo! Jesus, thank you so much. I know. Mila, can I have a kiss? Oh give mammy a kiss and um, but when i started the podcast i didn't think 66 and me mom, i bet you when said 66 episodes. and we live in 66 mouth you can't i bet you that's exactly what she was saying i could hear it in my head oh i know it's not till tomorrow it's not till tomorrow um, but...
0: my... a to you. Happy birthday, dear Rebecca. Oh, Happy birthday yeah, to you. you. I was trying to keep that quiet. You're yeah. looking well for 33.
3: Thank you, so much. Thank you. But just to say, I never thought I would see this in the, in the light. I mean, I did. I didn't tell anyone. Even I tell her everything. She's sitting there, Juliana. I tell her everything. And I didn't tell her. And she was like, eh, what's going on? Why don't you tell me? I just didn't tell anyone because you know what? The thing is, when you tell people things, they put you off. So don't ever tell anyone, Alan. Keep it to yourself, all right? So thank you all so much. Thank you, Mary Byrne, Alan.
0: Yeah, we just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors again tonight, to Donald McNally Opticians, (laughs) and to the Stop Domestic Violence Ireland we couldn't have done tonight without you. But we can't leave it without Mary Byrne singing another song. But thank you to everybody who took part tonight. And especially, give one big final cheer to the one and only Rebecca Kelly. <laughs> Thank you all. So Tell all your friends, because this is the start of a whole series of live podcasts. We'll be here for all of them, won't we Mary? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Rebecca Kelly.) And finally, you're all standing, stay standing for the one and only Mary Burn.
1: Spirits move me Every time I'm near you Whirling like a cyclone in my mind, you're my lifeline, angels of my lifetime, answer to all answers I can find
0: the next live event. Thank you all so much for coming out tonight. Until the next one. Good night. Safe home.
2: <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.